<laughs> well, everybody. After four attempts, we finally pressed the record button. Man, this is a shit show. <laughs> Sorry, Mom, you're the only one that's going to listen to this, and you just heard me say the shit word. Um, welcome to DTR Podcast, everybody. The podcast with two girls and a guy. You <laughs> <laughs> still have to guess who is who. Wait, was it two girls, one comic? Or was it two <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two girls, one comic. Yeah. Or is it oh, two comics no. and one girl? Oh, no. That sounds a lot blander, actually. <laughs> Um, the comic book podcast completely funded by Dallas Taylor. Because, <laughs> by. because you bums haven't bought any of the books we've read so far. I will have you know, I've, I've ordered one right before this started. I've bought all four of the books we've done. <laughs> um, I was going to say, no, this is mine, but, but it's I bought, only mine because you gifted it to me. Because I read it and you liked it more than I did. And then I bought it again because I still liked it a little bit. <laughs> Because you wanted me to read it. The, You're the very selfless comic owner. I'm just trying to keep this industry alive. Um, Dallas needs very little justification to be like, oh, I'll give these creatives money. I'll buy all the my, all the comics in the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, so should we do introductions again? Since you know, thousands of people listened to our last podcast that I haven't published yet. Um, I'm Dallas. I like comic books. I'm Rachel. I, too, like comic books, but not nearly as much as Dallas. Also, I'm going to say this. I'm diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, and I'll be talking extensively about mental health today. Bing! (laughs) That was the mental break that is the podcast. (laughs) That was me snapping! (laughs) I am T. And I too like podcasts, and I'm really excited to talk about the mental health thing here because I, as well, I have depression and a little bit of trauma, mm. but and I'm just not. stable as hell, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Dallas is our big barda, <laughs> <laughs> and we are scotch. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're just like what Granny Goodness says. We're like, we're all a little too something. And he's like, crazy? Question mark? Yes. <laughs> so, we are all just skinless Scott Freeze in Dallas as a skinless Big Barda will hold us when we need it most. With that sweet horse skin. Do you know, it's, it's in here when they're looking in the mirror. Oh, yeah, yeah. Page something. I have it written down. All right, so that's our beautiful introduction. I bet you're hooked now, aren't you, you sweet little listener? <laughs> Um, today, we're going to be talking about <laughs> Mr. Miracle, the comic that everybody in the comics world basically oogled over for a year. I don't know what you have me looking at. Oogled, oogled. Oh. T has slid something to Dallas. Oh, I just wanted to slide you the comic book because you're going to know I thought you were just trying to show me something. I was like, yeah, that's a dirty Scott Free. All right, yeah, so today we're going to talk about Mr. Miracle. Came out in like mid 2017 through 2018, and it was written by your boy Tom King, who is phenomenal, by the way. And it was drawn by Mitch Gerrids, Jared's Garage, Garage, Mitch Garage. <laughs> The very really neat comic book artist. Figure out his name. Yeah, we can't figure it out. But it's his birthday today, so that's pretty cool. And that will date this podcast for all y'all. And I then, tweeted at him today and said, Dear Mitch Garage. That's how I'm pronouncing it forever. 
I'm rereading Mr. Miracle right now for a podcast. Happy birthday. Thanks for your great work. And he favorited it. So we're officially a real podcast now, ladies and gentlemen. Yes! One favorite from a creator. And then the letters were done by Clayton Cowles. The covers were done by Nick Darrington. And then the associate editor was Molly Mahan. And the editor was Jamie S. Rich. Hey, I I, uh, called my people and they found out how to pronounce Mitch Garage's real last name. Would you like to hear? Yes. Gerard's. <sighs> wow, that was a really cool person you called. Yeah, it was my mom at home. Wow, phone a friend. Cool, so this comic is pretty recent, and honestly, it's super wonderful. The plot is great, but that's not really why we're here today. Um, but some background before we like jump into the theme, I can talk a little bit about like where Mr. Miracle comes from. Go for it. And yeah, then it's, a, it's an interesting story. You, T, do you want to like super brief bullet points, the plot, and then Rachel can lead discussion on themes and stuff we like. Rad. So, back in the 1970s, your boy Jack Kirby, the king of comics, was like, hmm, I'm done with Marvel for now. I'm going to go over to DC because we don't need to get into all of the reasons why. But when he got there, he was like, well, I'll do anything you want. And DC says, hmm, how about you do whatever you want? And he says, okay. And so he created the fourth world, which was this bonkers space opera starring the new gods. And it was nuts. And I was looking at the omnibus of it today on Amazon because I like to support corporate greed. Please define omnibus. Omnibus is a giant ass comic book with lots of comics in it. And it's a hardback, usually. They're big. They're big. They're big. I put it on my Christmas registry that I'm already creating in September. Because (laughs) I'm trash. Anyway, so he writes all the fourth world stuff. isn't. (laughs) (laughs) And his baby that rises out of all this is Mr. Miracle, who's always been kind of a minor character since then. I mean, he starred in some stuff, but he definitely wasn't as famous as he is now until Tom King which is super interesting because he kind of mirrors the events of Jack Kirby. He started at Marvel, and he did a really great comic uh, about Vision. Mm-hmm. And then, because of wheeling and dealings, he ended up over at DC. And his DC project that he started was Mr. Miracle. So it's just kind of like Jack Kirby, which is pretty neat. But yeah, that's where Mr. Miracle comes from in a very roundabout way. Yep, and so the... The story in this book is really fun, but it's not the main point. It starts off describing how the old gods died and the new gods were born, and they were split into two halves. You had, like, all the nice, kind do-gooders on one half, and then you had all the evil, murder, crazy people on the other planet, and that's called Apocalypse, or... Provo and Orem, Utah. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Paradise is ruled by the High Father, and Dark Side rules Apocalypse. And there was a massive war. They fought forever. Millions and millions and millions of people died because Dark Side wanted to go and like conquer the universe, and the High Father was like, "That's a bad thing." And so after this huge war, they eventually call it quits. But to seal the deal of their truce, they decide to trade sons. So Dark Side's son gets to go live with the High Father and have a life of ease and niceness and all this great stuff. 
and the High Father's son goes to live on Apocalypse, where he doesn't have parents. He's handed over to a caretaker named Granny Goodness, who basically tortures you as a child so that you can grow up and be strong and fight. Like every caregiver, if we're honest. <laughs> that was no... <laughs> We're not getting yeah, into we're not getting into some that. Some people yet. have faith in parents. I don't, but somebody will. T's dad was granny goodness. <laughs> Sincerely, Dallas's commentary. Aww. Oh dear, never shown this one to my family. <laughs> <laughs> dear family, we're talking shit. Wait, Live. I'm so sad. We can talk about it, this it's later. It's okay. Um, and so, the son of the high father, he always tries to escape this hellhole that he's been put in. And so his caretaker, Granny Goodness, names him Scott Free because he's always trying to get out Scott Free. And so he becomes this incredible escape artist. And eventually, after 18 years, he does manage to escape. And he's just very tortured and doesn't want to have anything to do with that world. So he goes to Earth and just lives life. Dope. That's good enough. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Miss Rachel, the R to our DTR podcast. You should talk about your relationship with the book, Mr. Miracle, before we get into it all. Okay. Um, and I think it will be a little bit interspersed in our discussion as well, but this is, I think, like, the second comic I read. Like, first was, like, My Boyfriend's a Bear, and the second was one of the Flintstones mm-hmm. that are awesome. But I read this having zero expectations. It was my first superhero comic. And, you know, my only real exposure was, like, the Marvel Universe that's everywhere right now. And so I read it, and the introduction is this. It feels like you're listening, like, the intro part. Um, It feels like you're listening to one of those, like, super old 1950s like Superman radio show it's like ah, da, 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 da. And knowing gracious loving high father would seek to blah 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 right and then it immediately ends and jumps to this like jarring image of Scott Free sitting on his bathroom floor bleeding out after attempting suicide and my stomach just sank yeah like there's the razor blade and the gloves are off and his mask is on the floor and it just is this terrible image it's so devastating to me and one thing I loved about the story of Mr. Miracle is it articulated in a beautiful way experiences I've had and feelings I felt and some of the darkest things I've ever been through I don't know it articulated it in such a way that I just felt for Scott Free I would just cry as I read this comic book and I didn't know comic books could do that this was super new to me. And something I think that's unique too with this novel is that it articulates those feelings and those experiences I've had in a very unique way that I don't think film can do and I don't think, you know, just written novel can do. Um, one thing, for instance, that like, I mean, I like something we did, I don't know if you need to edit this, I like something we did in the last podcast where we talked about art for a little bit, just kind of overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess one thing I wanted to talk about first um, in terms of this, you know, unique articulation of mental health issues, I guess, or like this fight, um, is when the frame seems to glitch. Like there's additional colors and there's lines and things are wrong, like it glitches. And I think that that is reflective of, 
I think like waves or like punches that come from like poor mental health. Like there's times when you're out and about or you're just trying to do your things and then you're just hit with like self-loathing or like acute anxiety or like super deep depression or you know like I don't know just deep sadness and it's out of nowhere and then all of a sudden it's like wait what's happening it's like a loss like sometimes you fall out of touch with reality and I think that when we watch the frame glitch I think it's safe as the audience to assume that Scott himself isn't sure of what's actually going on and I think like very soon in the beginning um specifically I wrote it down on page 26 and 27 Scott is being interviewed by someone and like I don't know what the Godfrey show who knows but anyway Scott is being interviewed and it's like fuzzy but it's fine and then the interviewer says hey so let's talk about what just happened like you just tried to kill yourself and of course they framed it as like oh he's escaping death Uh, you know like Mm -hmm. he can escape anything but in actuality, like, he attempted suicide, you know? And we watched, like, I went through and I analyzed each frame in this entire novel where he glitches. But it's super cool because, like, the interview's kind of fine and fuzzy. And then as soon as the interviewer is like, hey, we should probably talk about it. And Scott's like, yeah, okay, boom, he glitches. And it just gets so bad. And then you keep going and it's, like, so... I don't know. He's like, so, okay, this is the bottom of 27, I think it is. Bottom, bottom, right. And... He's like, so I killed myself, ha, 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 and he's like laughing it off, but like glitching so bad, and look at his face right after he says, so I killed myself, like, but he's a performer, he's an entertainer, and aren't all people suffering with mental health problems? Like, you have to carry on anyway, right? And, okay, <laughs> dumb, but it made me think of the album Ye by Kanye West, it's... And just like that, we're a Kanye West podcast now. <laughs> Welcome to no. Play by Play through Yay. <laughs> no, but in the introduction, the introductory song, it's called I Thought About Killing You or I Think About Killing You. He says, I think this is the part where I'm supposed to say something good to compensate it so it doesn't come off bad. And so, I don't know, just watching him like trying like, ha ha ha, yeah, I killed myself. You know, it just like, oh, like punches you. Oh, it hurts so bad. And then it, the, the interview continues. And he goes, but I guess that does leave one question unanswered. It doesn't, or it does, doesn't it? And then the interviewer says, did you actually really escape? I mean, death, right? Did you escape death, Mr. Miracle? And like the interviewer is glitching so bad right now. And, and all Scott Free could say is what? And then the interviewer says, oh, sorry, my apologies. You've got to take a break, blah, 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 blah. Don't worry, folks, we'll come right back. And it's such an ominous, like, look at this very last frame, the interviewer's face. It's glitching so hard. It is so dark. And he's like, we'll be right back. And I think that's a cheek and tongue, like, yep, don't worry, like a depressive episode or an anxious episode or like, you know, you're going to disassociate and it'll come back. Like, you know what I mean? Like, anyways, so I think that, I don't know, throughout the whole thing, like when Scott is glitching, it's that feeling. It's that like, I'm out of touch. And just for some reason, when I was reading it, it just articulated something so deep and so painful and like personal to me and I've never been able to explain it or have anyone understand it and so I think I found so much solace and I would argue that this entire book is a commentary on mental health I think I think the battles are metaphorical and no go ahead well and it's interesting because that's how it starts off is explaining that Scott can escape anything Mm -hmm. but then it kind of becomes clear that there really is one thing that he can't escape and that's just his life and there are a lot of times 
when he hates it. And so that attempt at suicide, he says, yeah, I'm trying to escape death. What he's really trying to escape is his life. And because he can get out of anything and it was an escape attempt that he just didn't get to see through because it, it says that his, his wife, Barda, finds him after he tries to commit suicide. Yeah. And honestly, I think the first thing, I going back to Rachel reading this as one of her very first comics, I think it's really interesting this intro with a different artist and very like, like you said, a Superman radio show narration. Mm-hmm. I think that opening almost kind of lulls you into like, oh, this is a comic book. This is, and then it's like, yeah. boom, Scott Free's bleeding out on the ground. Yeah. Like, and the art switches. It's jarring. It's honestly, it is jarring. And, but what's interesting is it's also crystal clear. And then the TV that the intro is being shown on starts to do the glitchy waves. And then it cuts to this life that Mr. Miracle is in. And in all honesty, like, I think that this book couldn't have come at a better time. Like, if this book came out five years from now, I can't. I guess I can't speak for the future, but if this book even came out, like, five years ago, I don't think it would have had the same impact simply because, like, mental health is a plague of this generation. Like, here we are, 320-something-year-olds sitting around, and all three of us have had encounters with this. All of us have to deal with this. Like, I mean, I, I don't make light of it, but, like, it seems like everyone we know has either diagnosed or undiagnosed mental health issues Mm. and it's just like it's almost a calling card of our generation and so it's really interesting that the most popular comic of the last two years is a super is like our superhero the superhero that's a superhero with mental health Mm. and I guess I just really felt that while reading this interview and watching Scott minimalize his issues like Scott Free's like (laughs) I killed myself and they're like so you killed yourself he's like ah And like, I feel myself doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll be in a corner and like one of my loved ones will be like, hey, so what's going on? I'm like, nothing. It's all funny. It's all a joke. Ah, This is my life. I mean, like, that's what, sorry, but like, that's what Kanye is talking about is like, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Like, you feel like you can't say the hard things, you know, the heavy things. Yeah. And so honestly, it's so special that Tom King, who is open. He deals with PTSD as he worked for the CIA during Iraq and Afghanistan. And he very much uses comics as an outlet for all the dark stuff that's inside of him. And when he talks about Mr. Miracle, he says like, Scott Free has PTSD from his life because I have PTSD and I know how to write PTSD. And I don't know, that's, it's special. Yeah, I think that's important because I know that like when I was coming to terms with my own mental health stuff, it was so important that I, I knew of other people that were open about it. And you know, to have like a story about a hero who struggles with this is really cool. And I, I think it's so important for people to hear stories about people that have mental health. Because I feel like mental health is so hard to understand from the outside, because it's like, oh yeah, the basic laws of cause and effect and how you perceive things and how you can rely on your emotions and your senses are just like out the window. And you see that in here where it's kind of like, he can't rely on the senses and he can't rely on his emotions and he sees things that aren't there. He doesn't see things that are there. Mm. And it's, 
it's such an important lesson to learn about like dealing with mental health is it's kind of like you can't assume that the rules of life make any sense here. They're they're gone. Yeah. You have to like relearn all the rules of men- mental illness from scratch, and it's so important. Well, and that's something I think that's I, like depicted so clearly here is that sometimes loss of reality of like, hey, like my world has changed. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not. And I think it's really important too to like. I think it's actually really cool that now we know that it's directly referencing PTSD specifically because one part where he glitches and questions his own reality is on page 104 when he's being interrogated by, is that Orion? Yeah, that's Orion. He's being interrogated by Orion and it's like all these hard questions and these confusing questions and he's trying to trip him up and the only frame in which he glitches is when Orion asks him, you hate your childhood, true or false? And Scott says, true. But he goes back consistently of like, was Granny good? Like, blah, blah, what's her name? Granny? Granny Goodness. Yeah, Granny. Granly. I keep calling her Granly. Grandmama. Like, <laughs> was Grandmother. No, was Mima. Um, <laughs> she's now Mima. But like. Mima Linguini. Like, there's one part where, you know, he goes, well, he goes back many times and is like, well, was Mima really that bad to me? Was Mima really that bad to me? And it's so interesting to watch him be unsure of like, directly where some of this like trauma comes from and these like terrible symptoms and I think that that back and forth is something that is so real and so perfectly depicted here I don't know it's just a cool scene mm-hmm. yeah it really is um I don't know Rachel talked about how like this comic brought her to tears and I'm gonna be honest like the very first time I read this comic my overall impression was just like what is happening like i mm-hmm. i was super confused and like i don't know i read a lot of comics and so i was like the craft is amazing but i don't know about this whole story like mm-hmm. i guess i didn't know where the art was coming from and then when rachel read it and like could see the forest for the forest and not just the trees and she was like that made me cry like that was relatable and honestly like reading it the second time and with the proper framework made it so powerful and like mm-hmm. i felt a lot of the same emotions I've seen other people or heard other people express about this. And especially when the scene with Oberon at the beginning, this really significant little guy in Scott Free's life, kind of his trainer and his mentor, where he's just talking with him and it's really real and it seems really comforting to him. Um, and then Big Barda comes in and is like, yeah, Oberon's not alive. He, he's died. He isn't there, Scott. And Scott's like, no, nope, he's there. I was just with him. And it honestly reminded me a lot of the movie A Beautiful Mind. Yeah. Um, about schizophrenia. Mm, and, oh, I just ruined it for you. It's so good. Oh, crap. Sorry. Just, we'll just don't bring it up and move on. Guys, stop here. Spoiler alerts. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alerts for all, no media is safe. I'll ruin anything. There is no Santa Claus. Um, what? But <laughs> what? <laughs> Who am I making my Christmas registry for now? Addie, <laughs> his girlfriend. Ooh. Anyways, but I don't know. It really it made me think about how jarring that film was for me when I realized the premise and I realized how real these constructs and how real schizophrenia can be for people. Like it was scary for me as a viewer, and then. Being able to empathize with Scott, I don't know. It just, it made me feel, man. Um, 
And that's something I noticed as well. I, when I was doing some research to see what, I mean, a lot of people thought about it. I was just kind of seeing, like, what the community felt. And I mostly, like, read it up on Goodreads, which isn't the place to go. <laughs> <laughs> For comic books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Just so- like when we were supposed to go to Barnes & Noble for the comics. <laughs> Get the hell off my podcast. But anyways, I was going to say... If- so on Goodreads. On Goodreads. This is not a Goodreads. Goodreads comic book, Kanye West podcast. I've, yeah, I've, Sponsored I've endorsed by Bar- Kanye West, Barnes & Noble, and Goodreads.com. And no one from the comic book world yet. Yeah. Who but, needs comments? <laughs> Barnes and Noble sponsor us. Oh my god! But yeah, Barnes and Noble. This com- this podcast. Okay, when by you edit it, Barnes we should put Noble. in like a Barnes and Noble commercial right here. That'd be so <laughs> effing funny. Dad. Just voice it over. Yeah, anyway. or just like record the audio from something on YouTube, like rip the audio and put it in here, like a straight up Barnes and Nobles commercial. <laughs> so funny. Just straight up piracy. Yep. Excellent. YouTube converter. I'm actually just gonna leave this in here. This. <laughs> <laughs> the raw art of it all you know? <laughs> so back to the podcast yeah, that was anyways. our dad actually <laughs> anyways so i was reading on goodreads.com and a lot of people were frustrated they were like these are just novel readers right i mean i don't know that was a total generalization we're gonna lose our sponsorship from goodreads suck that goodreads <laughs> Anyways, come here for the hard-hitting truths but they were frustrated they were like i don't know what's going on and I said, but that's the point. Like, Scott himself doesn't know what's going on. And I think, oh, oh, oh it's so good. I'm, like, so fired up. She okay. just hulked out. Hulked out. You can't see it. She's actually green now. Okay, so I want to, can you imagine? <laughs> can, the, can the cover for this one just be me painted green? <laughs> <laughs> only, if can, only if we can actually paint you green and take a real photo of It's like no a, photo I would be so down. It's like on Arrested Development. He's <laughs> like, look, I blew myself. I blew myself. I greened myself. I greened myself. Okay. So I, I gathered some quotes because in addition to the art and in addition to the plot, Scott himself does say on page 35, everything is wrong. He's talking to Barda. Everything is wrong. Everything I can't. There's, oh, my writing is so bad. <laughs> there was that word. I'm going to look it up. Stay tuned. <laughs> Boss guy's gonna be eight years long because we're good I, at it. I, uh, everything's wrong. Everything. I can't. There's something wrong. Something's wrong with me. Page 78. Sometimes I don't know what's real. So not only does he like verbally acknowledge this and confession to Barda, like it's everywhere that something is wrong. So my question to you boys is Scott doesn't know what's real. No one knows what's real. I mean, we can assume a lot of things are real. But. I saw a lot of hubbub, and I, I know people are discussing, like, did Scott die in the beginning of the book? And is the rest of this fabricated? What are your personal opinions? Because I don't, I don't think so. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right? Whatsoever. If he died, why do we have a story about him? There well, was one part I saw that I was like, well... And then, like, kombucha girl. That was me. <laughs> yeah. Well, as your local comic book boy next to the Barnes & Noble girl... Um, oh my gosh. I, the first time I was super confused, but the second time I am convinced that Metron, the shiny boy in the chair, has Scott trapped in an alternate reality. Mm. And that's what this big splash page of the rest of the DCU 
is when Metron's like, good, you beat my test. Come home to the regular continuity. And then I feel like that was kind of confirmed. Also, that's Mike Jarrett's right there in that panel, everyone. Aww. That's the artist. Um, I'm not going to tell you what panel it is, though. Go find it yourself, you lazy podcast listener. Um, what did you just call them? Lazy podcast listener. Uh, they said body ass, and I said, I don't know what he means by that, but yeah. I'd like to apologize on his behalf. <laughs> That isn't a podcast. Um, but here, the scene with Oberon, um, after Scott is dealing with the fact where he is like, did I die? Is this real? Is this heaven? Is this hell? Mm-hmm. Like, different characters throughout the story show up and basically confirm all of his different thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. Granny Goodness is like, Oberon was a sign. I Who? was a good guy. Mima? Yeah, me- Mima Linguini. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you guys have Let's to watch not our first. That again. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got the bug boy shows up and is like, "You're in hell." <clears throat> and then Oberon, and then Orion. Well, I notice all these up. people are glitches. Oh yeah, they're super glitchy. Like they aren't real. Sorry, yeah. keep going. <laughs> and then Orion shows up and he's like, "You're in heaven." And Scott's like, "I don't know what the f is happening." And then Darkseid's just chilling there. And Scott kicks his legs up on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the part that really hit me was this talk with Oberon, the little old man from the beginning, his first glitch. He then says, Scott says, I think I did everything wrong. I should have escaped. I shouldn't have escaped. I just, Oberon, everything is wrong. It's okay, kiddo. Come on, you're all right. Scott, listen, that world, that other world Metron showed you, all those crises and continuities that never really make sense, which is total reference to the comic book world. Yeah. I don't know if you two. In yeah. DC Comics, they have an event called Crises, with like every year. So it's like a, tra- a calling card of the DC universe. So he says like that one with all the crises, continuity issues, it's all confusing. Do you really think that's real? But that is re- for this, like that is yeah. reality. And Scott's here in this pocket universe and then, this is my, like, put on a tinfoil hat episode. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. That's what this um, all about. And then there's... Mike Jarrett's included his variant covers in the back. Mm-hmm. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. So number seven's variant cover, When the Baby's Born. The only thing on the cover glitching is the baby. Mm-hmm. And back here, right after the baby's born... Mm-hmm. Um, the narrator says, only the arena of gods would produce this combat. Only vile granny goodness would find an adversary like the lump. Uh, speaking of the baby. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like the baby is the trap that Metron set. Like he created this whole little pocket universe that Mr. Miracle could exist in. And he would make it so compelling that Mr. Miracle would never want to come back. He wouldn't want to escape. And I think that was the whole point, that Metron knew that he could beat him if he convinced Scott to not want to break free. So that's my theory, is that he's in his own little alternate reality created by a bad guy, and he just said, F it, I'm staying, I like it. Interesting, because there is a distinct... No, but there is a distinct embrace of the glitches at the end, and I just always assumed it was like, oh, he's embracing, like... Yeah, these demons terms, and but. yeah embracing these mental health problems and I always assumed too like with the baby like I don't know it's just like I, like he's at war with himself trying to be a good father and trying to cope with his past trauma like as he is experiencing this new thing and I think there's a very there's a super poignant 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 passage I don't know where it is but For 
for sake of time, I'll just say, like, when he is fighting, it, like, goes back and forth to him, like, rocking the baby and glitching and, like, fighting and glitching. And he's singing, like, hush, little baby, don't say word, while he's, like, fighting. Um, and so, to me, it was just, like, okay, like, the fight here, the battle here is becoming a father and o- overcoming these traumas. And, in fact, like, I don't know, I hope this isn't derailing your thought a little bit, but... No, I, that's the beauty of this book, is I yeah. feel like it's got so many layers and it's kind of those one of the like a question mark ending yeah seriously so buckle up bitches because i'm taking it a new way that's the title of this episode buckle up bitches <laughs> buckle up, bitches. um but again this is continuing my idea of we're watching a man navigate his trauma and cope with mental illness mm-hmm. and i think that a lot of the battles are fabricated and are merely artistic representation of an inward battle like there's one where he's like fighting on this super dark battlefield and granny goodness is there but meanwhile he's in bed the whole time telling Bart a, a story about Mima and Christmas you know what I mean and so it's like he's battling as he's navigating these traumas I like that. and the symptoms of which does that make sense do yeah. you know what I'm yeah. talking about I do know what you're talking about I don't want to hear you finish it because then I've, I've got my little this is so fun and then you can all vote on Twitter that Dallas is right and these other two are stupid oh my gosh just kidding. Your guys are probably side with them. Mine is the least exciting. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know where it is. I was gonna try to find that page, but depends on who your followers are, though. I only want tinfoil hat followers. All right, uh, finish. My my followers have to read a book and drink a drink at Barnes and Noble in my honor. Go ahead. Because it's interesting. Like I took the story much more literally. And maybe that's because that's how it spoke to me. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like I said this earlier, like Mr. Miracle almost feels like my favorite superhero because I love the fact that he is so wounded, but he still fights. Mm. And that's the thing that I love so much about him is he's, he has these moments where he's about to go mm-hmm. to war and he's just there with his wife and he's like, something's wrong with me. I don't know what's going on. And she's like, well, we've got to go. And he shows up. And he just does everything that he can to move forward. And he's, he constantly, under the weight of this pressure, tries to do the right thing over and over and over. Like, he has way more patience with Orion than I feel like Orion ever deserved. Oh, yeah. And just with all that pain, he does so much. And that's one of the reasons that I, I really liked it because I love that idea. And I feel like that's something that people need in kind of like this battle of mental health is that you can actually live a decent life. You're never ever going to be like totally free. And these things are going to stick with you. And you see that through the whole thing is at the very end, they're still haunting him. But he's consistently chosen to do the right thing. And his life does have a modicum of... of peace and stability mm-hmm. and I, I love that I agree on page 292 dark side shows up as this glitch and is taking up half of his couch but he with his baby sits down and kicks his feet up on dark side and I think that image is so triumphant and like so tender that like okay holding his child like he's going to do the right thing he's going to be a good father he's going to be above his trauma and his past and blah 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 and you know sometimes that's temporary oh also but even like skip forward two pages and then uh earth father that's not hi father <laughs> earth father someone start calling my dad hello earth father 
I'm your space dad. I'm your space dad. Oh my gosh. But Does that I... make Apocalypse space dad? <laughs> yeah. Granny goodness is space dad. She even looks the Nima. same. Nima. No, she's hell mom. She's from deep down there. She's scary. Okay, but anyways, on page 285, High Father shows up and he's like trying to make Scott like doubt. And then Scott's like, F you. And he's like, Scott. And Scott's like, F you. And he's like, Scott, you can't. Can you comprehend who I am? What I did for you? And Scott's like, bye. And then he goes, you hear me, boy? I'm your father. I am your God. Anyways, and I just think that's like really beautiful. But I will also say like something that, again, going with like my own personal belief in the glitch of being like a lack, a lapse of understanding of reality or a wave of uncontrollable negative energy or you know what I mean um it's so interesting to me that the very last panel and it's like everything's happy he's a cute good dad baby's in bed him and barter are having like a great conversation happy married couple on the couch but the last frame is them kissing and it glitches which I think is an ominous like hey like it'll probably be back but like he has barda yeah yeah anything else you want to say before we talk about barda well I just remember talking to you after you read this the first time you said like you see, what really touched you was that she glitched with him at the end. And you're like, I love the idea that I can find someone that will just, like, glitch in unison with me. And that's not necessarily to say someone that will, like, wallow in the bad times with you, but yeah. someone that will just be that rock that is Barda. Barda sure does not wallow. She doesn't. No. I think my last thing is just, I feel like so often superhero stories are about, like, an ordinary person, like, take Peter Parker, who gets really great power that has that with great power comes great responsibility and goes and does amazing things and i love the story of scott free who's a very injured wounded person mm -hmm. who still goes and does things way beyond what he should and that makes him a hero too but yeah i love that and i would argue makes him even greater yeah Oh, I love this guy. I think I could officially say he's my favorite after this. Well, fine. Spider-Man's still the best because he's a white, straight male with no issues. <laughs> and, <laughs> and a that, hot aunt. And a hot aunt and a hot girlfriend. And that's what I relate to most. Like, that's what comic books are about, people. <laughs> Comics aren't for Forget all... Forget drama. All you oh people. Gosh. Comics are for me. To live out my fantasies. <laughs> oh my gosh, go... I want my nine life to be a ten with spider powers. Anyways. Everyone's literally seeing me be scot-free in that interview at the beginning of this. <laughs> like, look yeah. at him doing I'm fine. When he's a jackass. But you know, I think there's actually something a little bit to that thing that you said where it's kind of like... I, I do think Spider-Man's great for that reason where it's kind of like... It is like you can be a normal person and Every do great man. things. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons I really identify with scot-free is it's like you can be a very injured, kind of messed up person and still do amazing things. Yeah. So. Precisely. It's, I feel like it's said. really valuable. Definitely. Right. So for the one follower out there that cares about comic craft like me, mm -hmm. um, page 55 is... You definitely have to get the big bar down. I'll let you guys keep saying really smart, cool things and I'll just keep derailing it to talk about comic books. But I love... This is a comic book podcast, Dallas. You're more than fine. <laughs> This is your show. <laughs> Dallas is giving the literary side the bird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm the worst. But anyway, I love so much the page after they're talking to Granny Goodness and they decide to sneak out where all nine panels become one image. And you see, like, 
I almost love like how cartoonish it is. Mm-hmm. Like all the words are spelled wrong. But it's like sneak, 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 turn, jump, choke, fight, fight, run, kick, kick, fight, fight, sneak. And like I never thought to put the song to that. That was lovely. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, that's playing that in my mind consistently. Hall of the Mountain fight, King. Fight, 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 <laughs> um, I don't know. I just I love how quirky and fun that page is. Mm-hmm. And if if you're following along with your own comic book, like they we didn't ask you to. Um, and you pointed that out to me when I read it the I first tell time. Tell them what page it is if they're gonna follow along with their own comic. Book. That was 50, page fifty-five. Fifty-five is one of my favorite pages, and honestly, like hats off to Mitch the Garage because he is amazing. He's able to play with this pattern that got started back in Watchmen, this nine-panel grid that's meant for deep character moments. It's meant for the kind of things that Rachel and T are talking about. But he also recognizes he's doing a superhero comic. And this is, mm-hmm. as far as I know, this is his first superhero comic that he did. And he's able to create these really beautiful scenes while keeping this same outline, which I love. But back to Big Barda, I guess, is where we're at. Yes. Big Barda, Big, big Barda, Big Barda. Barda. <laughs> Would you like to go? <clears throat> So on my initial read-through, I was kind of frustrated with her. Again, as obviously I've said a million times, I really identify with Scott. And partially I was frustrated because he would say heavy things like, I don't know what's real anymore. And she was like, we'll do this later. And at <laughs> yeah, first I was, like, I was like, huh? Like, excuse me. But then you look into it and she expresses, I don't exactly remember when, but she's like, hey, like, you trying to escape hurt me. Like, you were escaping me, like... You know, and she wasn't doing it selfishly. It felt more informative of, like, I'm trying my best here, too, you know. Um, But I will say two things that helped me really appreciate Barda and how she is, one, doing her best, and two, actually doing a good job helping and handling Scott is um, on pages... On page 132... Um, okay, oh, this is a really cool part I didn't notice the first time. But Scott wakes up and there's all these people and like, oh, what's that Stanley character? Funky Sam. Funky. Funky, that's his Funky's name? Funky's his name. Yeah, Funky, Funky Sam. <laughs> Not Funky Sam, just Funky. Yep, so Funky is like, kind of like goading Scott on to escape. He's like, hey, like da 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 And all these characters that are like antagonists of Scott are there and it's late at night. And I think that's a temptation to kill himself again. I think he's being lured to the edge. But Barda comes, and Barda, like, beats them with a club. She looks at him, covered in blood, and she says, stay. And I think, metaphorically, that's her beating down his desire to escape, his whatever it be, the symptoms of PTSD, or I don't know. That was like, okay, that is Barda fighting and clubbing them down. Well, speaking to that, um, earlier in that issue, he says, he is like, if you say stay... I'll stay. And she Mm -hmm. says, you can't put that on me. You have to make the decision to stay. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the story, it's talking about not going to his execution, but to speak to Rachel's point, it's like not killing yourself, like choosing to stay in this life. Like it can't be Barda's job. Yeah. But then there at the end, um, she sees that she does kind of need to be there for him. And that's something I really empathize with. Um, My, my loved one has been dealing with a lot of, really hard shit honestly and like I've had those moments recently where I felt like I can't force you to be happy I can't carry you I can't I can't it can't be my job like 
I love you. I support you. I'll always be here, but like I can't. And then to see that play out and to see like they're still able to have a happy relationship while he's struggling and he can be happy too. But then they're the end. Like when she comes out and beats the shit out of the bad stuff, like mm-hmm. I have felt that too. And like that's something. I mean, I don't want to like paint myself as this crazy hero, but like I really resonated with Big Barda on this read through because like this is something that's happening in my life right now. Like I, the person I love more than anything is struggling and is having a hard time. And I've kind of had to be like, yeah, I'll be your happy parts and I'll be your rock. And that's just okay. And, and uh, I feel like that kind of balance is super important because you do need both things. You need people to say like, I know this is harder than ever, but I need you to be good enough to deal with that. <clears throat> and then other times you do need people who come and say, I'll support you and I need you at this moment. And I feel like Bart is just such a good mm-hmm. like depiction of both doing that so well, but then Bart is not perfect and there are mm-hmm. mistakes that are made and you kind of see that she doesn't know how to deal with this either, but that kind of like imperfect but so such vital, important help that Scott needed. You see that in her and it's fantastic. And to add to that too, like I love even like she didn't have to say anything, but she just hugs Scott on pages two twenty two and two twenty three. He's looking in the mirror and he's just like doing super terrible and he just has he has no skin. He's like completely naked and Barda comes into the mirror. Like imagine the mirror in the sorcerer's stone but horrific. Yeah, it's actually super gnarly. But she walks into the mirror as well, also skinless and just holds him. Yeah. And I think that is sufficient as well. This is now a relationship podcast. <laughs> and a psychology podcast. <laughs> That's the beauty of this book though. Yeah, it's, it's really. All of that like This book can get you through life. Like, I would, honestly, with the holidays coming up, like, I would hand this book to every single person I know Mm. and say, no matter what you're going through, this book can speak to you. Like, I think about, like, my dad, who's, like, the most rough, tough guy in the world. And I think, like, oh, Scott is the king of everything, kind of like my dad. But he really cares about his baby, and he wants to be a good dad. And, like, that resonates. Or, like, I don't know. There's just, there's so much to this book. And... I don't like something that really, really resonated with me was like in the midst of all this dark shit. Um, Scott's like, "Do we have a song?" And Barda's like, "What? No." And he's like, "Come on!" Like the first song that was playing when we first met. And she's like, "We grew up in hell. We heard the agony and the dying. That was our first song." And he went, "Bing, boombox, play." The screams of the tortured. Please. Or something like that. Motherbox, can you play us the moans of the damned? <laughs> Please specify which damned. The pit, about ten years back. Ping. Ah, no! Ah, why? Why? And Barta, My leg. And Barta just sits there like, this man's. And then she just start. he just starts to laugh. And then she starts to laugh. And it was like, it's such a grounded moment. Yeah. And like, I can think about those moments in my life when like, I'm having a really rough go. And then, like, me and my love, me and my significant other, we can have that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. a stupid joke will just, like, bring us right back to reality. And we're happy again. It reminds me a little bit. I had this therapist one time who mentioned, like, something that kind of funny that she did. I can't remember what it was. But she said this line that really stuck with me where she's like, we all have these little insane things that we do to help us keep our sanity. 
Yeah. And I love that. I feel like that's kind of that moment where it's like, we're going to feel better by listening to the screams of the damned. Beautiful. And I think that's something that is really cool is a lot of the times when they're like in battle or in high stress situations like that, they're sneaking in somewhere, blah, blah, blah. Like their conversations are just, I mean, there's so much banality. Like it's just like every day, like what's for dinner and we should do the apartment and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, even if you're crazy and even if you're dying and even if you don't know what's real, like the dishes still need to be done. Like there's a real world out there. It's super interesting to yeah. watch them talk about this in the midst of like battle. But there's a whole issue about that, isn't it? Where they're like the two of them are leading a war and also getting ready for a baby. And so it's like one page is one of them off to war and then the other one is at home dealing with the baby. And then the next page is switched mm-hmm. and it's... It's a really fun juxtaposition. Um, in that issue, a little Easter egg. So, um, Rachel touched on this earlier, but there's a character named Funky that is meant to be Stanley, honestly. 1970s Stanley. Um, Stanley, right when he and Jack Kirby were estranged and Jack left to go do the New Gods. And this serves as like such a touching, almost like love letter to both of them and their relationship, where the baby ends up being named Jacob. But Stanley always calls him Jack, like Jack Kirby. And there's this really great line where it's like, Stanley says, that's my Jack. He's the king. And like, that was the nickname for Jack Kirby. It was Jack Whoa. the King Kirby. And so like this relationship. Jack Kirby. He is the. <laughs> he's the one that created Mr. Yeah. He's the artist that helped Stanley create the entire Marvel universe. They had a falling out. That's he right. left the DC that's and right. he created Mr. Miracle. And so there are like little love letters to him all throughout this um that's so tender just while we're here my very favorite one of those was at the end i wish i wrote on the page number but um jack no funky is talking to scott about a story that him and baby jack made Mm. and scott's like but jack can't talk and funky just says oh that's okay um Genius Jack doesn't have to talk. Funky talks plenty. He provides all the imagination. I do the words. Hmm. And, like, that's such a touching homage to the relationship that Stan and Jack had, where, honestly, like, everyone knows the name of Stanley, But, like, Jack Kirby's not a household name. And, like, it's actually a really sad story. But to see this comic book say, like, Stan's got the words, but Jack had all the imagination. Like, he was the one that drew all these characters. He's the one that came up with these crazy worlds. And then just to fire that point home, the story that um, Jakey and uh, Funky do is totally, it's Fantastic Four, 48 and 49, the first appearance of Galactus and the Silver Surfer. (laughs) And it's this story where the art is very clearly done by a small child. Yeah. And the words are like very Stanley-esque. And it's like this... I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I love it. As someone that loves both those men, as like someone that's benefited both from Stanley's words and Jack Kirby's imagination, mm-hmm. to see this little um, like golden retriever, the star reader, and then somebody being nice. Like it was Galactus. It was one of the most famous stories those two ever told together. And I don't know. It made my heart happy. That's so, so cool. Back to, men- back to mental health. No, that, I love that. I mean, these are important as well. Yeah. Okay, I actually would like to switch topics. Is that okay? Do it. Considering time. I just want to hear your guys' thoughts. What? <laughs> oh. <laughs>
<laughs> Go. Okay, super fast. I want to hear your thoughts about God. So it's a, it's an obvious theme in here. Yeah. <laughs> this know. is now a theology podcast. Yes, but it's a prevalent theme in this in this novel. Like, we should read the story. Where's the story in the very beginning? Which story? The, the like Superman. First, the face of God. Radio yeah. show. No, the face of God. One with oh, the, with the, the child. Weather, yeah. Yeah. And um, can I put my favorite? Yeah. Look, my I first bullet point is panel and beginning. Okay, so it shows a child who's drawing something, and the words say, and the teacher says to the whole class, draw whatever you want. When they're done, the teacher asks them what they've drawn, and the children say, dinosaurs, hearts, superheroes, anything, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Then one child says, I drew God. So the teacher says, that's very nice, but no one knows what God looks like, and the child, without a second's hesitation, says, yeah. Until now. I love that. Got That's him. a really fun story. Um, I don't know, my favorite bit about God in this book comes during the sunset scene. And mm-hmm. for the sake of time, I'll, I won't read the entire thing, but he talks about the common epithet, I think, therefore I am, and how that all came to be, um, where Descartes was doubting everything, and then he figured out, well, since I'm doubting, that means I exist. And so that's where I think and therefore I am. But the second half of that was um, there are good things and bad things in the universe. I'm going to assign the good things to God. And so if that juxtaposition exists, therefore God exists and I exist. And he talks about how a bunch of people just throw that all away because it presupposes a God. Um, But Scott says, well, if you throw that away, then you also have to throw away the I think and therefore I am. Because that also assumes the conclusion at the beginning. The and eye. just the eye, you assume an eye just like you assume a god. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love, 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 love the last panel. Just says we look to find ourselves to see our own face, and we find the face of God. And I think that 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 seems to be for me Scott Free's look on God, and honestly, like a very close to home look of my own look on God. Like mm-hmm. we see God among us, and we can see God in ourselves, in the good parts of ourselves, and in the parts that conquer and become better. Um, yeah, that's what I liked about God from this book. Beautiful. Okay, for sake of time, I'll just blast through. I have kind of two ideas. Um, one I think that's super interesting is that when they're in the pit, is that what it's called with mm-hmm. yeah, Mima? Pit. The yeah. ex-pit. When they're in the pit, there's the idea of Jacob's ladder and that God would be at the top of Jacob's ladder and that's an obvious rever- reference to Genesis. Um, <laughs> the baby, the baby <laughs> saying the F word. Um, sorry, we all sorry. got distracted. <laughs> a baby um, says an F word in this comic book, <laughs> and it's beautiful. It's so funny. And he also says Vata, which is fat ass, like his dad said in the panel before. Oh my gosh. Okay, back to you. Thank God. Wait. Is that the hello or what? That's Halo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, wait, we're, we're out of time. Okay, so fast. So, Jacob's ladder, it's, Jacob was, com- oh, I'm an Old Testament major and I don't know the story. Jacob was commanded to climb a ladder and that's how you'd get to God, right? But keep going. <laughs> no, anyways, go read Genesis. Actually, this isn't a religion podcast. But if you'd like to read Genesis, somewhere in there this happens. I just brought up the Old Testament earlier, and I felt like I couldn't. Now I feel gypped. Aww. Well, anyway, continue. Um, okay, anyways, so the idea that like... That's the entire point of the book. Dark side is God. Did you not read this book? Okay, no, look at that. <clears throat> that was my other thought.
pause. Hold on. Pause. Anyways, so I think the idea, and what, what I thought was interesting is that it's like pretty obvious the dark side is God at first, but then Scott has the mug that says, I am God a million times. So I'm mm-hmm. like, is Scott dark side? Is, like, is that, you know, his inheritance from his father? Is that he's a God because his dad's a God? And, but like, you know what I mean? Um... Da, 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 da. Oh, but I would say too, like looking at the good parts of yourself, like, anyways, the idea of climbing to Jacob's ladder, like climbing out of the X pit is where God is. And I think in, again, going back to my mental health metaphor, in choosing to climb out the ladder and choosing to be a good father and choosing to kick his feet up on dark side, like he is coming to God. And again, go back to what Dallas said by looking at the good parts of himself in the mirror. Does that make sense? Also, okay, you guys, this is crazy. You're going to lose your shit right now after I just bear my testimony about God. Where is it? 115? 115. Okay, it's... Ah. Okay, it's like a sex scene. It's a sex scene with Scott and Barda. But he is like... Yeah, like it's bondage, but like that's a a crucifix. He's crucified on this bed. And I think you guys can, you can compare Scott to Jesus Christ. He's <laughs> really... your podcast. <laughs> listen, listen. Here, no, listen. No, this is really interesting. He was prophesied of. He's like a fallen father of a God, right? A God who you sacrificed really his son. <clears throat> yeah, a son of God. The God yeah. who sacrificed his son for to peace and else. yeah, yes. for salvation. Wow. And so and to overcome the prince of darkness. You know? Yeah. And which is so beautiful. And then you look at like so many times he just gets beat up and then they ask about God. It's like all his opposers are like, I am God. Darkness to him at that moment is God. And so I think like Jesus Christ through like this opposition and through getting beaten down, he himself is becoming God and being exalted and climbing the ladder. That's also really interesting. The part where he confronts dark side because. When, my brain. when Dark Side is beating up on him, he says, You were given the greatest gift, and that was pain. Yeah. And that made you what you are. A savior. And all I saw was Big Bart in lingerie, and you found Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Wow, that's amazing. Um, no, I, I've had the ending planned this whole time. Okay, I'm okay. so dun, dun, dun. So, at the beginning of issue, the one with the sunset, because they don't have numbers on them, I think it's four. On page 111, they go and they're putting their handprints in concrete, right, in front of the Chinese theater. And then Scott goes over and he sees Jack Kirby's. And he puts his hand on it. And the line under Jack Kirby's hands is honestly such a perfect summation of this whole story. It said, kids... Comics will break your heart. Mm. And if I had to think of like a final line to say about Mr. Miracle, it'd be kids, comics will break your heart. Um. Beautiful. Wait, yeah. did you just end it? No. Oh. I want to put a plug in, and I mean, you can edit this out, no, but who knows if people it. are going to listen to this? It's Suicide Awareness Month. And as someone who has been where Scott Free was, and as someone who has been super affected by this book, having been in like the lowest of the lows and nearly didn't come back, um, I just want to say that everyone has a Barda. Like, you will be missed. And I read a quote actually that said, you know, you don't have to have hope for the future, but you just need to be curious because things could get better, and chances are they will. So, can you send me that? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, wow. Any other plug seems super lame at this point. So, 
Yeah. Uh, we hope you like our podcast. Read Mr. Miracle. Read Mr. Miracle. Yes. Um, we're going to be doing an awful lot of these. So we'll be creating a Twitter in the next little while Ooh. for this. So yeah. you can send in your suggestions to see what we should read. Thank you for listening and good night.